okay, I'm going to give this a shot because I kind of like to sit, but I also like to talk with my hands, so I don't know if it's going to work out. Um, as uh, I just want to share a few things because um, as of last night, I scrapped everything at 8 o'clock and started all over and got done at about 2. Um, you know, you get nervous when you think of all the people who have influenced you, who have blessed you with their teachings, and you think, oh, I just don't know, I just don't know. And um, I just, I sit here in front of you today in complete awe of uh, the confidence I have in sharing with you, not because of um, it'll all be right, or you'll all agree with it, or it'll even make sense to you, but I stand here in confidence because of what God has shown me in the preparing of it. Um, there's just so many connections that I would want to convey um, because it just shows who he is, and that's an intimacy that I have gotten to experience with God that maybe not all of it I am to share. So um, I scrapped those things and am trusting that if this doesn't make any sense to you, that that's okay because he knows, he knows. He knows what he's doing. So... Um, uh, I think that's just where I'll start, but I don't think I have the sound right, so hold on, let me get it. Is that better? Am I still, is that better? Um, let's see. So, um, not better. That doesn't work. I can't not breathe, so I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to trust him for the breathing, I guess. Um, so I want to remind us a little bit of uh, where we started at the very, very beginning of our Bible study. We started um, with the road to Emmaus. And the reason that was given to us was because we wanted to hear um, what Jesus would have, had, would have revealed to those that he was walking with on that road. Um, so I want to remind us of a scripture passage that would... Um, just keep us focused and centered on why we're all here and why we're all studying what we're studying. So um, thank you, Sue Sawyer, by the way. Where are you? Um, so Luke 24, 25 says, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then endure, enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And so as we prepare to hear each week, we're, we're looking for that. That's what we're looking for, that Jesus himself would reveal to you all that is true about himself through the scriptures that we are learning and discovering with. Um, so uh, back to last night when I scrapped everything. Um, we've all heard the story of Joseph. Most of us have heard it. A lot of us have heard it in Bible study as, or in uh, Sunday school class, which is kind of cool. One of the reasons I said yes is because that's my place, is Sunday school. You know, my preschool kids, and I love to tell the story of Joseph. Um, and so as I prepared, I was, I was developing um, the details of the story and wanting to have that be the platform by which I would share this morning. 
because that's what a teacher would do. And yet uh, God said, no, let those that have done their homework know the details or that have heard what it is that um, God has told them over the years and share what it is that I have revealed to you regarding the scriptures of Joseph. And so I threw it all away. And let me just tell you, each delete was like, ah, I don't think I should do this. But he said, no, trust me. So, um, so I'm going to go over briefly um, the life of Joseph. Um, and I want to take us back a little bit to Joseph's family. Let's see if that, there it is. Um, so Joseph's family, I want to remember that we started in Joseph's family with Abraham where he was told he would have offspring and an heir, um, and that he would have to sacrifice. And God promised Abraham. God made a blood covenant. Um, and then um, Isaac is um, kept from being sacrificed and goes on to marry Rebekah. Um, he has twins, Esau. I was nervous about that, too. And then and Jacob, and we learned about that last week. Um, the ja uh, Jacob received the birthright that was supposed to go to Esau, um, but just as God had promised um, when, Re uh, when Rebekah was pregnant. Jacob then works, leaves as a result of all that had transpired and goes to marry, uh, sees Rachel and desires to marry Rachel. Um, and so he works for seven years to have the honor of marrying Rachel, the love of his life. Um, and is tricked into marrying Leah. Leah, um, he discovers this and agrees to work seven more years to be able to also marry Leah's sister, Ra um, Rachel. And so, in this, God opens Leah's womb and closes Rachel's. And I think about that. You're sisters, and you're married to the same man, and one is blessed with having many, many babies that carry on the name of their husband, and uh, you are unable to have kids. So I just think, gosh, that's, that's a lot of sibling rivalry right there. You know, like, that's just the beginning of the story of Jacob, Joseph, <coughs> Jacob, Joseph. It's like they're all kids to me now. Um, so I think that that's an important, um, we'll read this together, but I think that's an important thing to think about because we've heard and will hear that Jacob loved Joseph more. And I think that we got to get in touch. I always want to get in touch with the reality of that. We go, oh, that's wrong. And it was. God tells us it was. But if you think about it, he loved Rachel and he was tricked into marrying Leah. And then along the way, when Rebecca finally has a baby, the woman he loved, Jacob loved, she finally gets pregnant. I mean, a celebration in his mind. And she dies with their second child. So you know when someone dies, you like they're elevated to here, right? And um, so when I think of the human aspect of the fact that, that Joseph was his favorite, it was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Like, not right, but it kind of makes sense to me. Um, so, so we'll look at the story of Joseph. I can see it better up here. But um, at 17 years old, there was a lot that happened. Joseph saw a lot of things about his father running from, you know, we've, we heard the stories last week. He saw reconciliation between his father and his uncle. So there's a lot of things that happened. 
And, and because of um, Joseph's or Jacob's um, favor on his son, he gives his son a coat that um, indicated to his brothers that he was the favorite. And Joseph then um, has dreams that are interpreted of uh, the wheat bowing down, and um, his brothers are insanely jealous of the favoritism and then of the, what the uh, presumed supremacy that his brother says when, when he tells them about his dreams, and so they plot to kill him. Um, and they, they sell him for, for silver to... Um, Rather than killing him, Reuben and even J uh, uh, Judah um, end up kind of not wanting to kill him, but also not wanting him there. You know, so they they were in on it, and he sold he sold to uh, a man in Egypt who's pretty high up and becomes a servant for him, where his, his wife then um, wants to. Um, be intimate with him, and he denies her, so she lies about it, and he gets thrown in prison. He's in prison um, unfairly, and uh, two uh, of Pharaoh's high-up guys get put in there, and they have dreams, and he uh, interprets them, and they come true. So Pharaoh then, um, Pharaoh then, uh, hears about it, but not right after they get out, uh, two years later when he has a dream and the person whose uh, dream was interpreted um, tells him about it. And so Joseph is released and he interprets the dream that um, there's going to be a famine in the land of Egypt and that there would be seven good years and then seven bad years. And that, um, so there's a lot of details in there. There's great, great details in there. And that comes true. And in the, in, in the famine, his brothers, uh, who think he's probably dead or at least uh, sold into slavery, never to be seen from again, come to Egypt to, in search of food and, and discover that they have food there and they don't recognize that it is their brother that they sold into slavery. They, um, and so it, we get to the end where Joseph ends up revealing it and... Um, extends forgiveness to his brothers, and there's reconciliation there. So I know that that's a flyover. I know that that's, um, there's missing a lot of details there. I'm going to trust what the Lord has to say about that. But the story of Joseph, if we remember what it is that we're here, is to find Jesus in the story of Joseph. W.A. Griswell talks about it, and I'm going to read this to you. Um, I hope you can see it up there. So he says that when we read of the sufferings of Joseph and of his glorious exaltation, we are reading exactly what happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. When we speak of Joseph, we speak of a blameless life. We speak of his father's love. We speak of one sent for his lost brethren. We speak of one placed in the pit, stripped of his robe, and sold for silver, and delivered to the Gentiles. Then we speak of his life in the dark land of Egypt. Then we speak of his Gentile bride, his elevation to the kingship of the land, and finally of the revelation of who he is to his brethren who have been saved from death through him. And that is but just a foreshadowing of who is to come. And I liked that summary, but I was stuck on one place in that. 
see, he talks about the suffering of Joseph and all the glorious exaltations that happened, but he talked about the suffering that is um, a foreshadowing of Jesus' sh- suffering. And so I was, I was parked, parking myself there. He lost his loving father because his brothers were jealous. His brothers wanted to kill him. They sold him. He was a foreigner in a place where he was hated. Um, and we see this evidenced. Um, it's fun for me to learn that I can add here now that in our, in our um, study, uh, they talk about the fact that um, God never, the scriptures don't reveal that God outright spoke to Joseph. But um, I could clearly see the evidence of his suffering in the naming of his children. Um, and I think there was two things that I noticed about Joseph. It, he had both suffering and that he had glorious exaltation. So despite the fact of all of his suffering, he was still helping Pharaoh at, a, by the way, a very great risk for him to take because you are a prisoner and a foreigner, and the Pharaoh is asking you to interpret his dream. So you imagine if you got that dream wrong, that's probably not going to be the best outcome for you. Um, just not going to be a good plan. And yet, uh, he he does it, um, and he also forgives his brother. So then I just started wanting to get in contact with that particular aspect of it. Um, Jacob's sons' names. Um, I'll never be able to. I actually tried to find places to pronounce these. Man, if anybody knows how to say the first one. Manasseh, thank you. Um, it is because God has made me forget all my troubles in all my father's household. And Ephraim, I knew that one. It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Um, and so I started asking myself some of the questions that I might have when I'm thinking and getting in contact with the suffering that he must have endured. Because we hear... I think the, the studies I found that there was eight times in Scripture that we are told that God was with Joseph. And yet, that doesn't mean that he didn't experience the sufferings that came along with his circumstances. Um, I thought, how did he forget his troubles like that? How did he stay grateful to God for all he's done in the middle of all of the suffering he had experienced? How did he keep the right perspective how could he forgive his brothers for what they did? Um, and so I started thinking about my hard situations, what life is like for me now. How am I handling it? How would I like to handle it? And what would I need to be able to handle it in such a way that God was honored as Joseph does the end of his story? Um, I feel like in my life right now it feels unsure. I don't know my future, which is probably a consistent fear for me. I don't know what I don't see ahead of me. Um, I feel like my integrity is questioned. Um, I feel, I just feel like it's out of control. And it it feels very much like when you joyfully are spinning as a child, but if you just really truly keep spinning, or if you spin as an adult, it's not fun. You do fall down. You do get hurt. It just feels like like just life is just constantly a whirlwind for me, both with busyness and circumstances, the whole thing. And so I just really parked myself there. Why? What, what would that look like? Um, and so I thought about a ballerina. 
Um, a ballerina, you know, when you know when they're spinning and their head is whipping around, whipping around, whipping around. And so I'm like, that's it. Like the Lord gave me this picture. And I was like, I have no idea really why, except that I feel like I'm spinning. And there is a ballerina who spins and spins and spins, but doesn't fall down. Um, and so I got on my computer and I was like, okay, what is that called? And, you know, it's called a pirouette, um, which I didn't even know how to spell. Um, and so I start thinking about what is that called when, when a ballerina does that. So I pull up a video on how, what that is. And, um, and so there is a, a technique that that thing where their head is spinning around is called spotting. And it's where you keep your constant orientation on one spot so that your head is aligned. And it, that's why they're whipping it around. But that... So there's so much more about that. So I'm looking at all the how-tos about pirouettes, which wouldn't seem to go with Joseph. And, and it started to really, really expose to me details in the story of Joseph. So um, in the first how-to video, the first one that I found, which there are a lot of stories of how to do a pirouette, like videos on how to do a pirouette, the first thing that she says is that you need to pay attention to your position and your alignment, specifically position four, while that's not relevant here, but she said the words position and alignment, and I thought, oh, now that's about the story of Joseph. Um, it's connected, and I didn't totally know how or why, but I knew that Joseph knew who God was, and I, knew, and I got the feeling that he began to understand who he was, um, and so I explored that a little bit. So Joseph's position, I, I feel like is, is discovered in the scripture from Genesis 41, 16, when Pharaoh asked him to interpret his dreams, reminding you that that's a great risk at a possibly great big cost. And yet he said, I can't do it. Joseph replied, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And yet, it was Joseph who told him what the dream meant, right? So he knew clearly that God was going to tell him how to tell Pharaoh, but he knew his position. How could this be? I, I, I really feel like that goes back to um, he in his family knew of his great-great-grandfather Abraham. Abraham was told that um, he would have an heir and the promises that would be given to that heir. And I'm sure he had heard it his whole life. It was the legacy of his, of his family. So that was something that he probably could count on and that he would have heard God speak through that particular promise. I'm imagining this. Um, but I want to go back to that place of Abraham and the the covenant that was made. Um, there was, remember, that blood covenant where God passed through the carcasses of animals himself and that he would be in that oath the security deposit. He himself. Remember, Abraham was not the person asked to walk and pass through that as what typically would have been um, in that particular type of oath with one another. Um, so I do find that interesting that it says that there's a covenant with Abraham when reality, it's really a covenant with himself, God himself. 
So, Hebrews 6, 13 through 18 speaks of this promise. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And I would say that so did his descendants. People swear by something greater than themselves, and the oath that and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because what God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we would have fled to the hold of hope set before us, may be greatly encouraged. And I thought, well, that, gosh, that, that makes so much sense to me. He was encouraged and held on to the hope of the promise that he had been hearing his whole life. He had to have. Or how could he have said that? He knew, he knew his position. So then I thought, oh, what is it like to be aligned? What was Joseph's position? Like that's jo- what I just read to you is like Joseph's alignment. He knew, he knew who God was and who he could not be, but God could. And Jesus reveals this as well in the Garden of Gethsemane when he talks about Matthew 26, 39 says, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And um, I started thinking about that, and, and when I studied it, they talk about... Um, I always thought the cup, like, would you let this death, would you let me out of this death, this arrangement, right? And actually, the cup, as it is here in Scripture, is not that he's asking to be out of death, but he's asking that it is that he would not experience the agony of separation. That's important. That's very important because that actually is him acknowledging the importance of his willingness to do what he says. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody, but he knew how agonizing it would be to fulfill that covenant oath that he had made a long time ago. That he would be the one that would be separated, experience death and be separated so that. But he still asked the Father. He still knew that he needed to ask the Father And so he himself was aligned with himself. I mean, that's just crazy. And so I started asking myself, do I know my standing? Do I know who I am and do I know who he is? And remember, I'm thinking back to that spotting thing, keeping my focus, my position, and my alignment. And if I can, then there's, there's some interesting things that will happen. Um, because of who he is and what he did in his alignment, I can know who I am in him. I know my position. That means in the midst of all the spinning and chaos that I could have in my life, when I choose to make that my focus, I'm held. And there's a, there's a video that we're going to watch. 
which feels out of order now, but I don't know how to not share it without going to the next slide. So um, this is a video from Billy Elliot. It's a movie where it's a young boy who wants to become a ballerina. And I think there's some interesting thoughts in regards to spotting. So we're going to watch that real quick. While they do that, um, I'm going to just keep reminding us that it seems like um, because Joseph was fruitful, like he was, he, it looks like he came out of it so um, ahead of the game. He was sold into slavery. He was, he, it just looks like because God was with him and because he obeyed God. But I just think that if we think that um, the circumstances of being in prison, being sold, what, were when he could see it, um, all okay, it just wasn't. It wasn't all okay. So, um, do we have it? There you go. Uh, I just love that, for me, that particular, oh, I just love that movie, but um, that particular scene for me is um, really awesome because you see him falling down and you see him, you know what he needs to do so that he could find balance, but he's struggling to do that. And just when he finally figures out where that balance is, she says, what about that bloody arm? <laughs> like, the, what's the next thing? And so that, for me, was sanctification. Like, I just think it's so awesome that when I know who God is and who I am, um, the next thing that I read in the, like, I actually then read a little booklet on pirouettes, and it said there's some advantages about spotting. Um, when you spot, when you can accurately spot, you don't get dizzy and you stay balanced. It helps you to control the direction. And that is actually, there's more to it because it helps you to control your direction while they say doing um, spinning turns. So that's where they're pirouetting, pirouetting and doing like a chain of them. And I thought, so if you can spot, then you can actually stay balanced even when you're going into another spin, another spin, another spin. And I thought, oh my gosh. Okay, so what does this mean? Even when life is hard for me, even um, when it feels like I'm out of control, I'm actually not out of control. I'm in his control. And I still don't know what's going to happen except I know what's going to happen because he's promised me. I don't need to worry. I don't need to defend myself or control because that will just keep making me dizzy. If I just focus on him, his promises, and his hopes, then I can do more than just balance. I can love those that even might be the one accusing me. I can forgive them. I could, I could experience the valley of the shadow of death and know that I could still live. I can't keep my eyes on the circumstances. They will define me. They will make me dizzy. He defines me. Not because I figured it out, because I would still and still am falling down and learning this, but it's what he did that allows me to be able to even be able to do that and to keep that focus. So we have two songs to sing, and I wish I remembered her name. Uh, Marsha could tell you, but... Um, this was super sweet because um, 
I listen to her story, and her story is one of, that's really hard. It's a really hard story, the, um, the singer of the song. She lost her dad to a um, heart attack, went on the road to heal um, in that, and started to lose uh, some bodily functions, memory and, and, and that and whatnot. Went home um, where she ended up not being able to walk. Her muscles atrophied because she had Lyme's disease. So she traveled in her sadness of losing her dad for seven years and then for seven more years stayed in that process of that getting healing from Lyme disease and then went out on the road again discovering her husband. And in the process, uh, she married him and they got pregnant, which she was not supposed to be able to get pregnant. But she did. And while she was pregnant, they found out in her early trimester that they were going to lose their baby to a very horrible disease. And um, her baby was born. And in this video, which you could find on YouTube, uh, they have pictures of her little brand new baby that had just been born, which passed away hours after being born. And as she's sharing that, she's telling you what good, what a good, good God she served. And that it is a joy of her life that he allows her to sing, to be able to share with them the hope she has gotten despite the circumstances of her life. I think it's important for us to hear that when we listen to the words of the songs we're going to hear next. Mm -hmm. 